Welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse, focusing mostly on the romantic relationship with the narcissist. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller Anderson. I am a counselor, coach, survivor, and author of the book I Believe You. If this is your first time listening, know that you'll hear me refer to the narcissist as a he. But this is just for ease of telling my personal story, which is about my now ex-husband. But narcissists, they can be both male and female. Married or single, straight or gay. They come from all walks of life, just like the rest of us. And if you have any questions regarding what I mean when I talk about the narcissist, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 1 and 2 for further clarification. And just a reminder that Although I offer specific examples of popular complaints regarding the relationship with a narcissist, I'm not insinuating that all narc partners will behave in exactly the same way. There are subtypes of narcissistic personality disorder that alter the ways in which their narcissistic defenses may show themselves. And narcissists are still individuals with unique qualities, histories, and overall personalities. Many of my examples are ones that I hear overwhelmingly from clients in my practice, but that doesn't mean each one will fit with your particular situation. So please find insight and validation in the ones that offer helpful explanation for you, but refrain from using them as an indicator of your partner's narcissistic qualities. Just because one occasion happened in your relationship that caused you to feel like you were gaslighted, doesn't necessarily mean your partner is a narcissist. But at the same time, hearing about the cheating habits of narcs and knowing that you have yet to catch your partner cheating doesn't preclude your partner from being a narcissist. Some examples may fit and some may not, but the overall pattern of behavior is what will clue you into your partner's toxic tendencies. Also, Noticing these patterns of behavior and gaining awareness into them does not offer a clinical diagnosis of your partner, no. Only a qualified professional can do that. But really, I find this diagnosis unnecessary for the purpose of what we're doing here, which is recognizing our partner's toxic behaviors, understanding the patterns, realizing our role in those behaviors or lack thereof, accepting that we cannot change these behaviors, seeing how damaging they are to our self-esteem and self-identity, finding the courage to move past the toxicity, learning to see the red flags so we can avoid them in the future, and rebuilding our identity and our strength as we grow and move on. Welcome back this week. We were on a break last week. I hope until this point, you've all been able to gather a little insight and move your healing process forward. We will be taking a few weeks off over the next few weeks, and we'll be back with more episodes after that, episodes that will offer additional information and some useful tips for healing, regaining strength, and rebuilding your self-esteem and self-identity, as well as episodes that continue educating on the red flags that we need to be aware of in order to notice them sooner in any future relationships. Ways that we can protect ourselves. 
I believe your abuse will continue its efforts to raise funds that help rescue victims from abusive situations that they would otherwise be unable to escape. It will continue its efforts to spread awareness, including getting those narcissistic terms and information out into the general public's eye with our fundraising shirts and decals and other gear that you can find by visiting the website. And by working with teams who are trying to enact changes in the criminal justice system and education to law enforcement with regards to invisible and often overlooked abuses. Let's keep this mission moving forward because if we don't, who will? Let's also make sure we're getting information and support out there to anyone who's in search of it. You can help us to show up in search results by leaving a review for the show. Remember that you can receive discounted copies of the recovery book by visiting our website at IBelieveYourAbuse.com. This is not a mission that we can complete on our own. There needs to be more awareness of narcissistic abuse. There needs to be awareness about the potential dangers of knowing and getting involved with a narcissist. There needs to be educated professionals who work with narcissistic abuse victims without invalidating and further traumatizing them. And there needs to be educated consideration in court proceedings, law enforcement encounters, and custody cases with regards to the toxic nature of narcissistic abusers. We can't wait for these changes to happen. We need to pitch in and do our part as the people who have the first-hand knowledge about these dangers. You can help. We all can. Purchase gear, spread awareness, leave reviews for others trying to spread awareness and understanding. And most importantly, tell your story. What you do matters. I want to share a survivor story that may not initially appear like a survivor story. I think this is important because there are likely so many emotions that run through your mind, body, and soul during this abuse cycle, then separation, recovery, and healing process, that you likely miss the ones that clue you into the fact that you are making progress that remind you of your strength and show you that you are in control of your destiny and not someone else. The emotions that may feel like rock bottom in the moment, but are the turning point to everything that is positive and still to come. We miss them. Survivor stories are important for victims to hear when they spend so much time doubting that there is a light at the end of the tunnel feeling like there's no way out, and considering no longer trying to move forward. Those stories help people that were in the spot that you were once in. Settle into the idea that there may actually be something past all of that pain and all of that confusion, that things will get better, that life does go on. They're important, so please, if you feel compelled to help others with your story, Write in and share it with us at IBelieveYourAbuse at gmail.com. Your story doesn't need to consist of your dreams being realized or some total sense of peace and final destination reached. Your positive story isn't just for those that have reached their end goal or ultimate life dream. 
If you have made it out and have some hope for your future, you have a survivor story that benefits someone else who has not made it that far. Share it. Here's such a story. My husband required my constant acceptance and reassurance. He expected that it be there for him each and every time he needed a quick energy ego boost. I remember a time that I confronted him about yet another dangerous and disgusting sexual liaison. He had just returned home from a trip to the store where he just ran to pick up a gallon of milk. He wasn't gone more than half an hour. He jumped right into the shower, as he often did when returning home, washing off any evidence that might cause suspicion. Looking back now, I'm surprised he even bothered. I picked up his phone while he showered and glanced at his last text message prior to leaving for the store. And there it was. His communication with another unfeeling and unfaithful, no doubt narcissistic, husband in our town. Feeling what I can only describe as a shiver, mixed with nausea, disbelief, grief, shame, and yet another realization that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't enough. I read it word for word. I felt it word for word. Meet me at the Walmart in 10 minutes. I'm just running up to the store and have a little time. Would love a blow and go. I confronted him as he entered the bedroom, this calloused individual that had become so apathetic to my marital plight and so disingenuous about my expectations for fidelity. His response, so heartless and unapologetic. Okay, so you caught me. Unfortunately, this guy was no longer a stranger. The cold and empty eyes staring back at me had become all too familiar. This other him, who had poked his head in my marriage from time to time, was becoming the constant, while the old constant was only poking his head in from time to time. This guy clearly didn't care what I thought about anything. Arguing about it was nothing more than an erosion of a moment in my life, and after a while, I didn't bother. After the screaming and mudslinging that had become our usual, I walked into the bathroom. I looked over into the mirror and caught my reflection. I locked eyes with myself, and then I followed the tears as they rolled down my face. I just stood there, maybe checking to see if I still recognized the eyes staring back at me. I could no longer distinguish between originality and familiarity. My husband came into the room and wrapped his arms around me from behind and tried to kiss my neck. 
I pulled away, still looking in the mirror and watching his face, expecting to see a look of remorse or empathetic atonement. But what I got was this gaze of expectancy. I pulled away once again, throwing him a look of discontent and confusion, to which he simply responded, What? You're still my wife. I finally understood. This was never supposed to be a mutual, all-encompassing, interpersonal connection. I wasn't present to be his partner. We certainly weren't held to the same expectations. I was there to supply him with unwavering adoration, faithful reassurance, and unconditional approval. He married for a convenient and constant source of narcissistic supply because he was too lazy to have to go and seek it out. What I wanted and how I felt was irrelevant. And when I pulled away, he was angry with me. I was letting him down. I was not doing my part. And that last time, I paused before pulling myself away. Because for just a moment, I needed to feel like he still wanted me. Fulfilling his need had become my driving force and I was starved for this feeling of purpose. The truth was that he had done a pretty adequate job of trivializing every ideal I started with, calling into question every value that had been instilled in me, and covering each of my boundaries in a shroud of self-doubt until none of which remained. Succumbing to these selfish needs and self-serving desires he was presenting me with had drained from me everything I knew to be true about myself. Who I was and how I felt. He had drained me of my own identity and replaced it with this new purpose. And if he no longer needed me, I no longer had purpose. This sounds sad, right? The moment you realize the role you were actually assigned in your relationship with the narcissist, that understanding of how little you actually had a say in that role, how little your needs were taken into consideration when creating that role, it sounds sad. But that realization, however, is the moment you accepted what was happening as toxic. The moment you realized where you stood allowed you to start considering whether or not that role was going to be acceptable to you or not. It took away some of the false understanding about your role in the relationship. It was not as an equal partner, cherished or admired. It is for the purpose of supplying the narc everything he desires from you and asking for nothing in return. Your wants, cares, 
needs, dreams, they don't matter. How hurt you feel will never be considered relevant. And it happens in such a way that you don't see yourself disappearing. One day, waking up to the realization that you don't matter. You never mattered. That you don't know who you are and who you are doesn't matter. That your sole purpose in life has become pleasing your narc partner and you have spared no cost to attempt to accomplish this. You then realize you will never be able to accomplish this because your narc partner will never actually be happy. You fill a spot in the narc's life until they find someone new to fill it. Period. There's nothing special about you in this relationship other than you're the main one being abused in this moment. And that's what separates you from anyone else. But your partner has done such a bang-up job of removing the memories of who you were without them that you're unsure if you can find that person again. Narcissists are notorious cheaters. And those partners who have discovered these dirty secrets will tell you the narcissist rarely bothers to fake consideration with their partner's painful revelation. Narcissist cheaters will often fake regret on the first time you catch them if they're still benefiting from the supply you bring to the relationship and they don't want to give that up just yet or are simply not yet prepared to leave it. But as many of you have learned now, part of your stronger boundaries includes watching the actions of others rather than falling for the empty words of others. If you have to have the same conversation twice, or if your partner has to beg for forgiveness more than once, then you are able to remind yourself that their words are likely lies. Words that are not followed up with actions are a huge red flag and a sign that these behaviors are not going to get better and your partner clearly does not care about the consequences of those actions. These are the first signs that your partner doesn't actually care about you. And unfortunately, we have likely all allowed this to fly in the past. But we know now that we deserve better than this and we won't stand for this again in the future. Right? This is what you should be working towards. Once you have caught your partner cheating once, and they were able to convince you to look the other way, the dynamics of your relationship will shift yet again. Remember, narcissists pursue their partners with determination in the beginning. Once they set their sights on you, they are likely convinced you are not only shiny and new, but seemingly perfect. And wouldn't that perfection reflect their ideal self so well? And yes, narcissists don't necessarily want to be caught when cheating on their significant others, as that would cause their partners to start seeing flaws in them, which in turn causes them to see flaws in themselves. And they can't have that. It also rocks the boat, so to speak 
when they have likely arranged a nice little setup where they get all the attention that they need, sex when they want, bills that are paid, and so forth. If they do get caught, they most certainly want you to forget about it quickly and move on as if it didn't happen. So it's less stress and less inconvenience for them. But this is a double-edged sword. You see, if you forgive them for cheating just one time, they no longer see you in quite the same way. They start to self-talk in a way that tells themselves what kind of person would just let someone cheat on them. This person's damaged or likely has something really wrong with them. Yes, they hope that you have little enough self-respect by this point that you'll let their behavior fly. But at the same time, they notice the lack of self-respect when it happens and they begin to treat you accordingly as you no longer deserve their respect and their praise. In fact, many times, they might be flat out disgusted with you. It doesn't mean that they'll let you go, especially if they have a pretty nice setup, but they will certainly treat you in a way that lets you know just how low you have dropped on their list of positive reflections. And you will never bounce back from this serious devaluing phase. Just one more way that you absolutely cannot win with a narcissist. You likely told yourself in the beginning that you would never tolerate someone cheating on you. And now you're in this situation that is harder than you ever thought possible to walk away from. You may even feel disgusted with yourself. So now the narcissist is devaluing you and you are devaluing yourself. Not fully understanding how you let yourself get in this situation in the first place questioning why you aren't strong enough to walk away from behavior you know to be unacceptable. You don't understand the strength of the trauma bond, so you wonder what happened to the strong person that would have never allowed this. You don't even recognize yourself anymore. Have you ever looked in the mirror and realized that person looking back is unfamiliar to you? Survivors often have difficulty making daily choices, such as what to have for dinner or even what to wear. They often can't tell you what their favorite color is, what their favorite movie is, and other things that used to create their recognizable self. This is perfectly normal. These are symptoms of complex PTSD that was created by the trauma bonding and gaslighting you have experienced throughout your relationship. You may feel like you've been left an empty shell of your former self. You've been changed, and that's okay. That person didn't know. That person had weak boundaries that were easily sacrificed at the demand of the narcissist. That person didn't know how to protect her own value and hold true her own beliefs. But this is now a chance to rebuild a stronger, wiser version of your former self, a you with the knowledge of this experience, with steadfast boundaries and unshakable self-esteem, the best you you have ever been. This you is going to conquer the world, so just keep building.
I wanted to take a moment to answer a question that was sent in by a listener. I know that sometimes I return these emails with responses when they're sent in, but I really think that they're helpful to other listeners who may have had some of the same questions. So I'm going to start covering some of the questions on the show as well. And the question is this. When reading about red flags in a narcissistic relationship, I keep seeing that I will notice my narcissist doesn't show much emotion, but my spouse seems to show emotion all the time. So now I'm confused as to whether or not he's actually a narcissist. Can you offer insight about this? I actually answered a question similar to this one on an online forum not too long ago, so I'll share part of the answer that I gave for that and add a little bit to it. I'm really glad when I see these types of questions come in because there are too many common behaviors out there that are associated with a narcissistic partner and and associated in a way that seems to insinuate that every narcissist displays such a behavior. And this is confusing for those who are new to this and searching for answers online. Keep in mind that with all symptoms, behaviors, and otherwise red flags, They're not going to be one size fits all because narcissists are individuals like anyone else and will have different reactions to certain things, different ways of coping with stressors and varying degrees of narcissistic tendencies. It's true that they are similar enough that we can easily see many patterns in their behaviors that align with the diagnosis of NPD, but don't let that cause you to forget that they have differences as well some that did not make them any more of a narcissist, and certainly some that did not make them any less of a narcissist. You will recognize enough similarities in their patterns of behavior that you can likely surmise that your partner is a narcissist, or at least enough to surmise that your partner is toxic and you need to start working to break free from them. But back to the question. Actually, every narcissist that... I've ever personally known has been highly emotional. My husband, for example, was easily frustrated or angered whenever things weren't going his way. Or he would feel super proud of himself and he easily turned on the waterworks when life wasn't being kind to him. He was extremely emotional. His so-called friends saw him as the life of the party and his family pitied his injured and pathetic soul. For a brief period of time, I believed he loved me. My point is, not all of his emotions were genuine, but he always showed emotion. It took me a while and I had to pay close attention to see it, but when he felt sorry for himself, those tears were most certainly real when he was faking like he gave a shit about my issues or whatever I was upset about, he clearly lacked any genuine emotion. It was all very cold and even inappropriate at times. If you've been close to a narcissist, then you know how easy it is to fall for the flood of emotions they throw your direction whenever they're feeling sorry for themselves. How pathetic and sad they come across when they're begging you not to leave them. Unlike any behavior that you're going to see from them when it's them who leaves you broken and confused. 
It doesn't bother them in the least bit, and they easily walk away and start a new life without you. Never looking back or feeling bad for the shattered partner that they're leaving behind. If you pay attention long enough, you're going to notice the emotions are only genuine when the narc is reacting to their own needs and feelings. They most definitely feel proud of themselves, or sad for themselves. What they don't feel is happy for you, or disappointed for you. They will not consider or care how you're being affected by anything. This is why they can watch you cry without batting an eye. Even then, this is likely something they would only do when there's no witnesses, since their public persona is important to them and they are cognitively aware of the reactions expected of them. Meaning even if they're not genuinely feeling an emotion, they at some point learn to understand what emotions others are expecting to see from them, and so some of them learn to act them out well. If there's others around who can witness their behavior, then they're more likely to put on a show and pretend like that there's some amazing, doting mate. Although, it may still feel very scripted and generic. Whereas, if you're alone in a room with him, he's more likely to sit right next to you and simply watch TV while you cry or even shout out in pain and not even flinch. Aside from this scenario, the only thing that I can think about that might be another time that your narc partner would appear to be emotionless is when he's stonewalling you, likely as a form of punishment. But once again, there's nothing you can do and no way that you can behave differently that will change this dynamic in your relationship. You cannot force your narc partner to empathize with you, and you cannot reason with them or guilt them into seeing your point of view. It won't happen, and your attempts will only further frustrate you. The only thing you can do to free yourself from these damaging and hurtful actions is to break away and go no contact. As always, you can find support between shows on Facebook or on Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. You can find support, including resources for meetings, local support groups, and professionals who specialize in narcissistic abuse. Just go to the website at IBelieveYourAbuse.com. On the site, you can also find a link to our shop. If you weren't already aware, I Believe Your Abuse raises funds nationwide to assist victims in relocation, healing, and education services, and also to raise awareness, not only for narcissistic abuse, but to help raise awareness in the criminal justice system with regards to emotional abuse and other invisible abuses. And you can support this cause and help spread awareness by purchasing from our shop, so please go check that out. You can assist with getting help out there to those who are in need and searching for answers. Go on and leave a review for the show because this helps us to show up in search results and gets help out there where it's needed. 
You can also send in comments, questions, requests for a specific topic to be addressed, or share your survivor story. Just send an email to ibelieveyourabuse at gmail.com. If you have a struggle or you're making progress, we want to hear about it, so please send those in. Be sure to follow the podcast to have episodes automatically added for you to listen to as they come out, and so you don't miss any of our bonus episodes. And if you have friends or family who are struggling with narcissistic abuse, or are just willing to learn about and understand your experience, share the show with them too. Spreading awareness and understanding are so important. Until next time, own your truth, and never stop telling your story. I believe you.